This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 12th to the 18th of June. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Review's editor, Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Now then, Ezzy, a few more things to look out for this week. Oh, what do we have coming up for us? Well, we're still keeping an eye on the evening sky for our favourite pair of planets, Mars and Venus, that seem to have been there forever, don't they? But the good news is, we mentioned last week that they straddled the beehive cluster. Now, it's getting harder against the light background sky. We're heading, we're nearly at the summer solstice, so it's very, very light skies. But if you keep watching, around about 10.30, because they're still reasonably well above the horizon, Venus creeps ever closer to the beehive, and on the 13th, it clips the northern edge of the beehive cluster, the sort of the fainter outer layers as such, whilst Mars lies off to the left of both of them. Venus is trying to catch up with Mars, but the latter stubbornly keeps ahead of the brighter planet. It's determined to, it's playing tag, but not playing tag. It's, I'm not going to let you get, catch up with me. But uh, that'll be a nice photographic view. Hopefully people photograph Mars when it was in the beehive. And so now they've got a chance to catch Venus just clipping the top edge. So that's on the 13th of June. Well worth having a look out for. And let's hope we have some clear skies for it. And it's in the evening sky. I mean, nice and convenient, isn't it? Now, you would say the next bit isn't convenient unless you like getting up. 3 a.m. in the morning. This is the next morning, the June the 14th. So the early morning, you've got a lovely crescent moon. I love crescent moons. In fact, I was explaining to somebody on social media the other day because I'd put up a picture and they put their picture up and they were, they were an amateur astronomer. They weren't even an amateur astronomer. They were just a general public and they put up a picture and said, I don't understand it. Um, why, why is the other side of the moon lit up as well? So of course that helped me lead into an explanation of the earth shine on the moon. And when you've got a nice crescent like this, you know, it's well worth, you'll see the earth shine, which is the light bounced off the earth back onto the moon. I always think of it as like filling flash for photographers sort of thing, because it's almost the same sort of effect. The light is being redirected back onto the night side of the moon. But we've got the added bonus that the moon is really close to Jupiter as well. So they rise together around about just before 3 a.m. over in the east, northeast. Well worth having a look out for them sort of thing. Of course, you do need an uncluttered horizon, Ezzy. That's the, and that's probably usually why I can't see it, because <laughs> I haven't got an uncluttered east, northeast horizon, unfortunately. Not to forget that the morning sky at the moment 
also has other planets, two of the other giant planets, Saturn and Neptune. Now, Saturn's in Aquarius at the moment. Neptune has crept over and is actually in Pisces. So, well worth having a look for them. They're roughly over in the east-southeast to the southeast sort of thing. And, of course, if you've got a telescope, have a look at Saturn. Um, if you've got a, a, a small telescope, you might just pick out Titan going around Saturn. It'll be a little tiny dot of light moving either side of the planet itself. And of course, if you've got a larger telescope, you can have a look at the rings as well. It's it's one of those that you, if, if you show somebody for the first time Saturn, it's almost, you can see the, the, the look on the faces. It's a wonderment. It is any time we ask, you know, sort of people, what was the, the first thing you remember looking at the telescope and thinking, wow, the rings of Saturn always come top. Always, always. Sometimes it's uh, people say things like uh, Jupiter's great red spot or, you know, a particularly distant galaxy or something like that. But you can't really beat Saturn's rings. No, you can't. Saturn's rings. I, I must admit the view of the really good craters on the moon. Again, if it's one of if it's their first view through a telescope and the moon's up and nothing else, you'll show in the moon and they just gasp because they can't believe the amount of detail you've got on it sort of thing. Of course, we've got the moon. And funny enough, that leads into the next bit, because I mentioned the moon and Jupiter. Now, we, we, we do mention that you can see these things sometimes in daylight. So you've got to be, you've got to be very careful. Obviously, we don't want you to look too close to the sun. But if you watched the moon next to Jupiter or close to Jupiter, um, sort of like around about 3 a.m. as they rose, if you follow that into daylight, the moon creeps above and passes above Jupiter. So about 6 a.m., you've actually got them Jupiter just below the moon. So that'll make a nice photograph sort of thing for those who've got a telescope. Well worth having a look at that. And visually, I mean, it's quite something to see the moon in daylight. And I've been photographing the moon fairly recently in daylight, deliberately to show you get, it can be seen in daylight. The amount of people who are stunned when they say, and they see Hang on, I can see the moon in daylight. What's happening? And then you, then it leads you into explaining about the phases of the moon and the moon goes round us. And there will be times it's visible in daytime. So, but it, it can be seen for quite a, a run of days in actual fact in daytime, uh, if you're careful. And in this particular case in the morning sky, I say we've got Jupiter and being a bright planet, this one, Jupiter and Venus are the two that will stand out the most against a bright background sky. So well worth having a look at. And that's on the 14th, but 6 a.m. onwards. But after that, Moon will slowly drift further away from Jupiter. So it's roughly at its closest, around about 6 a.m. So something different to look for. But just as we always say, be very careful. You don't move off from that off to the left, basically, and you're up the sun. So be very, very careful as such. Actually, we mentioned the sun, Ezzy. For those of us who've got solar telescopes and specialised equipment, the sun has been really, really, really active. So Absolutely. So if you've got an alpha telescope or any of these other specialised telescopes, even a, a proper safe white light filter, there's been huge numbers of spots on the sun. So uh, well worth keeping an eye on the sun if you've got the right equipment to look at it safely. That's right, Paul. The sun is absolutely fantastic at the moment. Um, and in fact, we have an article coming up in our July issue, which is all about how to look at the sun safely uh, in white light. So if anybody out there is interested in getting uh, a better look at the sun at the moment, do keep an eye out for that article in the July issue of BBC Sky at Night magazine. And of course, subscribe for all of our great content 
delivered straight to your door. Exactly. So back to let's get back to the night sky then, because the, the night sky, that's where us astronomers really thrive, don't we? But, uh, you know, June the 16th. Now, this is a faint one, but it's it's always great to tick off another minor world, you know, on your little list of sort of minor worlds of the solar system to actually observe. And in this particular case, minor planet uh, 20 Massalia is at opposition. It's magnitude 10, which when you consider that supernova we were talking about, magnitude 11 at its brightest, magnitude 10 is pretty good. The, the minor world does lie in Ophiuchus, so it is quite low. Best seen midnight to 2am whilst the sky is, I was going to say, at its darkest. <laughs> we, we are sort of like, you know, literally less than a week away from the summer solstice, so the sky will be light. But that period, midnight to 2am, is about the best time for the darkest part of the summer sky. But well worth ticking that off, sort of thing, if you want another asteroid. You do need a good chart, and of course we've got one in the Sky at Night magazine, sort of thing, for the June issue. So, you know, if you've got that issue, you'll be able to find that and so well with and a lot of this software that you know you find apps on your phone and things like that will actually show these minor worlds as well you often have to dig into the settings sometimes to make sure they're visible and the brightness sort of thing because if you keep the brightness the magnitude limitation down it won't show it but you put that up but don't put it too high because there are tens of thousands of asteroids and minor planets and the screen suddenly goes filled you do you do need to there is lots of things out there uh the universe it's quite large, uh, famously quite big. Um, so you do need to be careful that you're not overwhelming yourself. <laughs> and we've we finished really sort of thing with the, and it's a bit of an oddity because it's it depends on whether you like watching sunrises. And again, you have to do this very, very carefully, of course. But June the 17th, it marks the earliest sunrise of the year. It doesn't quite coincide. It's one of those little myths that the earliest sunrise is always on the summer solstice. That isn't the case. It's a little quirk sort of thing of the way our things work in the universe. And so the earliest sunrise is at 4.38 BST, sort of thing, so 4.38 AM, although the difference, to be quite frank, is mere seconds between them. So for all intents and purposes, nearly all week, you can do, it's around about 4.38 all week. It barely changes as we head towards the summer solstice next week. But technically, June the 17th is the earliest. So if, you, if you're one of those that like to catch things sort of thing at the very, at the very moment when they occur, then June the 17th, if you can watch the sunrise, I mean, I, I'd, I'd go, if I had a chance, I'd go down to Stonehenge. I know it wouldn't be quite in the right time sort of thing for seeing it rise between the uh, whichever stones they are at Stonehenge, but 17th is the earliest technically, so well worth having a look for that just in case. So there we are sort of thing, a, a range of things to look out for, and, uh, you know, it's uh, well worth uh, keeping your eye out because we never know what's going to happen. We never know whether there may be another supernova. In fact, that week that the supernova was discovered that we mentioned the other week in the Pinwheel Galaxy, um, there were two other supernova in galaxies as well, slightly fainter. You know, I haven't seen them, I haven't imaged them, and we're into the light nights now. But this is the thing about astronomy, isn't it? That something can happen. We could have an outburst from a comet, sort of thing. Uh, a new nova could be discovered, sort of things like that. We suddenly have a display of noctilucent clouds, or even very rarely, so it does happen, the aurora. The Aurora Borealis, I've seen that in July. So uh, very rare. There's only twice in my lifetime that I've ever seen that. But you never know. So there we are. Always keep a look on the sky. You never know what you'll see. 
Yes, is that's astronomy is this sort of very strange mixture of there's things that we can predict 2000 years in advance and then there's something that will come along and we've got no idea it's about to happen and everybody will rush to go and see it so I, that's one of the reasons why I really like you know space observing and everything like that because you're never quite sure what's going to happen but thank you very much Paul for taking us through that week's stargazing highlights and to just summarize those again Mars and Venus continue to get closer and on the 13th of June, Venus just clips the top of the Beehive Cluster. Then on the morning of the 14th, we've got quite a lot going on with the planets. The Crescent Moon and Jupiter are going to be close to the horizon and close to each other at about 3am. You can also see Saturn and Neptune in that early morning sky and possibly even at 6am you might catch the moon and Jupiter in the daylight sky close together. The 16th of June is a great chance to see the minor planet Massilia, uh, though you will need to get a chart to be able to find it. And on the 17th of June, it's the earliest sunrise of the year, though it's pretty much about the same time all throughout the week. But it does mean it's a great time to do some solar observing as well. The sun is extremely active at the moment. So definitely, if you've got some solar equipment to be able to do it, get out and do that safely. And if you want to keep up to date with the best things to see in the night sky every week, do be sure to subscribe to the podcast and we hope to see you here next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for throughout the whole month. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. Spotify.